Good morning. I'm Sonia. I'm one of the pastors here at Mountainside Communion. And a big thank you to Diego and Sasha for reading our scriptures this morning from the Gospel of John. We're going to be in that passage in a little bit. But before we get back into that uh, passage from the Bible, I want everyone to think of a word or a phrase or maybe a couple words or a couple phrases that have had a big shift in their meaning or their impact from before March 14th of 2020 to after March 14th of 2020. Um, these can be the most basic words that come to your mind. Um, one, one word I thought of was uh, essential or um, graduation, um, marriage vows, isolation. So think of your word. Um, think of the, the impact that it has on you now when you hear that word. Think of the stress it might be associated with, with your word or your phrase. Um, think of the intensity that might come to your mind and your body when you hear that word or phrase. And hold that with you. Um, I want to do the same thing with some words from our scriptures this morning. And at a very basic level, I want us to explore how some of the, the words that we use over and over and over again as Christians actually can have a huge impact on us here and now and in all times. Um, the words that stood out to me most in the scripture passage in John were in uh, chapter 14, verses six, 15 and 16. Um, so if you have Bibles or if you're going to follow along, Go to that passage, and I want to remind us that we've been in this, these passages of John with the lectionary, and this passage is within a couple chapters of a long conversation between Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper, and the scene is really intense. There's um, confusion, there's fear, there's great um, intimacy and mercy and love between Jesus and his disciples, but there's also this terror in the room. Uh, Jesus has been betrayed. Um, Judas has stepped out into the night to do what he has to do, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples by various words, various descriptions of the love of God, but also as he's moving towards the cross, the terror has kind of filled the room. Um, it's a very troubled group of people in this passage. And to hear these words again, I'm going to read um, a couple verses. And to, to be thinking with the disciples that maybe Jesus isn't winning in this moment. Maybe Jesus is headed towards the cross like he had said he would be. Um, it may seem like for the disciples that this isn't going to end well. So let that sink in for a minute. And I'm going to read these words of comfort. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be with you, in you. And so this is 
an introduction to the Holy Spirit in John's gospel. It's gonna, Jesus is gonna talk more about the Spirit in the conversation that follows this passage, but um, the thing I want us to let sink into us this morning, like any word that has great impact, is that of the helper. Um, the Holy Spirit is a helper. And in the Greek word we have, it's paraclete or parakletos, which has a wide and deep uh, depth of, of meaning. There's so many words that can describe the Holy Spirit. A few different translations have comforter, they have companion, advocate, sustainer, helper, counselor, and defender, as if we're in a court of law and the Spirit will defend us and plead for us. Um, and I want us to know, too, that when Jesus is using these very common words, um, common for Christians, he's using the word helper. He's using the word love. He's using the word commandments. Those are not to be separated. Those go together. And the commandments in this passage, in the conversation that preceded these words, the commandments, he gave three. The first one was to wash feet which sounds weird to us because this is a different, this is the modern world and we don't wash each other's feet, but that was one of his commandments. Um, another commandment was to love one another. Shocker, that's all over the Gospels. The third one was to believe. And as I'm sitting with these commandments from this particular part of the Gospel, um, I believe we do need help. To do these things. I believe that I need help from the helper to wash feet or do other acts of mercy, um, to love one another, to believe. So I'm going to invite us into a question of where do we find our help? And is the Holy Spirit truly at work in and around us as the people of faith? Um, I think that the Holy Spirit is a really weird part of the Trinity. Um, for people like me, we've often associated it with um, some, just some weird ways that we've experienced people using that word. Um, and in our modern world, we might think of the Holy Spirit as like a magician or a, a life coach or an influencer or something that um, brings comfort, like a, a therapy pet or a song, a prayer, something that's associated with emotion and music. But as I sat with this, um, I wanted it to sink in for me that this is um, something I need now. I need help. And I have a picture, Tim, if you want to get that picture pulled up, uh, of comfort. and. This is a picture of when Fisher was three years old. He was recovering from um, an appendectomy, an emergency surgery, and the hospital staff brought this beautiful little doggy into the room, and the dog was there to comfort him and to bring him just what he needed. But as you can see in his face, Fisher was terrified. He was not happy. He was not comforted. I don't even think he understood 
why the dog was on his bed. Kurt and I were so excited to see that dog. We were being comforted by that dog, but Fisher was not being comforted by that dog. Um, and I'm wondering if Fisher's physical pain at that moment was too great for him to accept the comfort that was being offered. And this picture always kind of comes to my mind. I've, I've shown it a thousand times, I think, at church. But I want us to ask ourselves, what, what is, how does God comfort us? How does God help us? What is the role of the Holy Spirit, this part of the Trinity? Um, over centuries, the Christian church has described the Trinity as the great community of divine love and life. God, our Father, the Creator, the Son, Jesus, the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our sustainer. If we find our belonging in the kingdom of God, then we will find our belonging in the community of God's Trinity. We are never alone. I've been sitting with this, and I went to uh, a favorite writer, Willie Jennings. He's a theologian and professor and writer and Baptist minister. We've spent some time in his books as a church, um, the, uh, the Christian Imagination, uh, Theology and the Origins of Race, and also his commentary on the book of Acts. And I spent, I clinged to his commentary this week on the book of Acts because I was looking for evidence in his writings um, to help me understand the helper better. And whichever word you cling on to for the Holy Spirit, whether it's companion, helper, advocate, counselor, I want us to, to think of the Holy Spirit the way Jennings describes it for us. It's, it's done so beautifully. Um, for one, he calls the Spirit of God a disrupting presence. It is the holy repetition of God working, moving, and creating the dawn that will break each day that speaks of the willingness of God to invade our every day and our every moment. Put simply, he says, God moves and we respond. We move and God responds. Our relationship to the Spirit is intimate and active. And I believe that personally. Like, I do have belief that the Spirit of God does that with and for us. Um, but I'll admit, it feels pretty good these days to just say that I feel paralyzed by the fear and the confusion, by the news updates, by injustice, everyday racism, violence, paralyzed by the powers and the principalities, paralyzed by our system that isn't working for people. But for the people of God, there has never been and there will never be any good reason to stand by idly as an observer. We are invited into God's redemptive action. Willie Jennings uses the word operative to describe the spirit. There is a powerful pull of the spirit towards the life of Jesus, our Savior. So whether we see the spirit as a comforter or advocate, helper, companion, defender, it is always operative, always at work. So these are really comforting words, but for me, I ask myself, okay, YouTube preacher, what, why do I find this part of the 
God's Trinity to be the hardest to understand when really it's just described so basic for us as a helper. Um, it might be because we've considered the Holy Spirit maybe kind of anti-intellectual. Um, maybe it's because deep down I'm really afraid of it. I'm afraid of God's movement. Um, or we've been ma manipulated by people that have named the Holy Spirit completely out of context. Um, maybe it's too mysterious. Maybe it's too partial to the people who actually do have to cry out for help. Um, for me, Jesus, the Redeemer, and God, the Creator, are foundational. They're believable. They seem more solid. The Holy Spirit is a bit more mysterious. Um, and I, ha I had to sit with that this week. But I think deep down, I need God's help. I want union with God and with my family, with my interactions with neighbors, and with those who need me to act on their behalf. I need God's help in these relationships. I've noticed in me over the last two, two months this kind of a cycle that um, I'll start in a place of absolute joy and gratitude, and that joy and gratitude will shift me towards this place of energy to um, meet the demands of a changing world and to activate and do good things, sow good seeds. And then I will do those things and I'll get completely exhausted. I'll fall, I'll get depleted, um, burnt out, and I'll sink into this depression where I feel really bad for myself because I'm so exhausted. And then that depression moves me into some serious self-reflection. And then I manage to find joy again and gratitude, and that gets me back into the energy. And maybe part of this is biological, but the energy and the activating then depletes me again. And, I, and I've, I've noticed this cycle in me, particularly for um, this time of quarantine. And um, I believe that the Holy Spirit, my helper, has been with me in every single one of those phases of this cycle. But the work of the Holy Spirit in me and in those around me looks very different in those four different phases that I've experienced. Um, I invite you to think of those cycles in your own life and how you experience God's presence and um, God as our helper. Um, in that depression, though, I want to mention one thing. In that depression, my indignation feels so good. In this time of prolonged crisis, when we didn't think we could have any more barriers to put up around us politically or ideologically, surprise, we do. More ways for us to be divided from each other. Did we think that we could actually be in this together? I think we were saying that in the beginning. We're in this together. How? I view the pandemic, how I view the virus, what, where I think it started, where I think it's taking us, all of those opinions, those conspiracy theories, everything is so draining. It is easier for me at times to sit in that and be depressed and have righteous indignation. 
But Jennings reminds us that the Spirit of God who activates us, it is, he reminds us, it is the Spirit of God who activates us in a new and courageous imagination to break down our barriers and to cross boundaries by loving as Jesus loved. He says, the church was born in the tight space between faith and fear and forever lives in that space. Only the Holy Spirit keeps that space from collapsing in on us. So to get to the ordinary before we leave, uh, lead into prayer one more time, um, I was thinking about ordinary things, ordinary encounters with God's Spirit. I could tell you all sorts of stories from my life where I've known the presence of God has broken in to, to my life and has shown me comfort and help and peace. But I tried to pinpoint some very ordinary things this week where I, I said, yes, this is the Holy Spirit. Um, one of them was four weeks ago, I sat down at the homeschooling table at my house and I gave myself an assignment to write a letter to someone who is in prison, someone I've never met before. I do know her mother, but I've never met um, this 21-year-old. And um, I wrote her a letter and, you know, tried to be encouraging. And she wrote back to me. This came yesterday. And I read her words, and it was the most sacred moment of my week to read the words that were written from inside a jail where she's serving time here in Southern California. And the Spirit of God was with me, and I knew it, it is with her. Even though there's barriers and there's distance between us, um, there was no doubt in my mind that this was the Holy Spirit at work in all of us. Um, the second thing that I noticed a couple days ago was it was the end of the day, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., I don't know what it was. It was in the evening. I was in a bad mood. I was exhausted. I was done. The kids were getting ready for bed, and Kurt was cleaning up the house because he's so good at cleaning up the house at the end of the day when I just want to sit down and watch him clean. And he was picking up a pair of shoes, and the shoes belonged to Francis, our five-year-old. And Kurt just looked at me, and he said, he held the shoes, these dirty, smelly things, and he said, these shoes go on the feet of someone who brings the good news. And I was like, what? <laughs> wow, Kurt, you're getting deep. And he's like, no, they bring such great joy. And I couldn't argue with that. Yes, Francis, our youngest, brings joy to everyone he encounters, and he's probably the most spiritually attuned person in our family. And I thought of that comment. Kurt wasn't planning on giving this deep thought to me at that moment, but it, he couldn't help himself because those shoes directed him to the presence of God and the meaning behind such an ordinary thing. Um, I've asked a few of you to share with me what your experience with the Holy Spirit has been like in this season of pandemic. And I'm going to read a couple of answers I got this week, and then we're going to move into a time of prayer to send Misty well and to bless her and um, show our gratitude to Misty as a church. Um, how are you experiencing the Holy Spirit this season? One person was super honest. He said, I don't, I don't think a lot about the Holy Spirit. Maybe I associate it with prayer since it's an intercessor. 
But other than that, not much. Um, I do know that it's a comfort. And that was his answer. Another wrote that the Holy Spirit is who I call on when my feet hurt in the morning as I step out of bed. The Spirit is who helps me to see smiles in the morning as joy and not needs. The Spirit greets me in laughter when all I want is silence. The Spirit is who I ask to be felt when I answer a call from a client that my ego would step aside and the Spirit would listen in ways felt, even through a phone line. The Holy Spirit is felt in their need to be so close to me that I'm certain I couldn't get up if I tried. The Holy Spirit is the one I say goodnight to while praying for a good night's sleep, listening to the kids' voices still chattering upstairs. And finally, one of you answered with this. This pandemic has caused much pain and harm and hurt for so many. But I can, always, but I can also see the Holy Spirit in unexpected ways, where people are finding new healing from struggles as they are forced to slow down and stay home which has created opportunity for many people to confront struggles in new ways without having the ability to turn to old distractions that have prevented them from healing and growth in the past. And that answer came from one of our mental health uh, workers in our congregation. So helper, advocate, companion, counselor, God's presence, God's loving presence. Um, help us to, to see you in moments, ordinary moments throughout our week. And the invitation today is this question. How does the Holy Spirit help us in moments of crisis or in the ordinary? How does it move us from being Christians with good intentions towards an activation of something new, expansive and life-giving for us and for the many in the world who need our love. That is the invitation. Um, sit with that question as we prepare to pray. Um, Nicole, Anthony, and Helen have recorded a prayer to send Misty, and um, today is her last day with us in formal ministry at Mountainside Communion, as Brad noted earlier. And as we saw in her video, thank you, Misty, for your video. Um, one of my favorite memories of Misty here at church was when she told stories about how at very young ages she encountered the Holy Spirit. And I will never forget those, those stories. And those are the stories that have carried Misty into her um, adulthood into her ministry, her life, and her life with the people she serves. And um, the pictures you're going to see in this prayer are just some collected photos we have from Misty's time at our church, and um, they represent the Holy Spirit among us. There are lots of people in these pictures, and Misty has this great gift of being with people. And interwoven with this prayer is the Apostles' Creed. And as we hear this read by Anthony and Nicole and Helen, may we affirm our beliefs in the Apostles' Creed 
And as we bless and send Misty on to what's next, may we affirm the presence of the Holy Spirit with and among us. So let us pray.